Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hi, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. On this episode, we're talking about diabetes and mental health from the perspective of an endocrinologist. One of the biggest complaints I get from my patients is they don't think their healthcare team gets how hard it can be to deal with diabetes day in and day out. They want their doctors to see more than their numbers. Sometimes what they really need from their doctors is help getting past the emotional barriers that make managing diabetes so hard. My guest today is Dr. Calvin Wu. Calvin is an endocrinologist at SETI Health, a virtual diabetes clinic working to revolutionize the patient-provider experience and deliver diabetes care in a more thoughtful and meaningful way. Calvin gets that diabetes is more than blood sugars. He understands that we need to pay just as close attention to the mental health aspects of diabetes as we do to the physical health aspects. What I really appreciate about Calvin is his desire to put patients first. He knows there's no one-size-fits-all approach to diabetes, and he's willing to do whatever he can for his patients to set them up for success. Here's my conversation with Calvin. Calvin, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an honor and pleasure to be chatting with you. Yeah, so why don't you come in and have you introduce yourself and tell the listeners about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So my name is Dr. Calvin Wu. I'm an endocrinologist at Steady Health. And I think for anyone who doesn't know what Steady Health is, we are a completely virtual virtual diabetes clinic. Uh, We're serving members all over California and as of today, also Washington State. Uh, We are first and foremost a full service endocrinology clinic. So we do visits, write prescriptions, take care of labs and paperwork. But we also uniquely leverage the power of CGM and and the convenience of telemedicine and messaging to create a more connected, more personal, and more data-driven diabetes care experience. For me, like, I think, you know, this, this is near and dear to my heart. Cause you know, like when I, when I start out in practice and so forth and really treating diabetes, which obviously is a big part of what we do in endocrinology, it's always been very frustrating and, you know, unsatisfying in many ways. Um, I tell this to all my patients too. It's just that, you know, like when you have 20, 30 minutes to, to, to share with, with the, with the, uh, the patient really, it doesn't really do it justice, right? You, you, you have, you have so much time to download the meter. You have so much time to talk about the data and so forth but you don't really get a chance to really you know, address the problems necessarily. It's, it's very surface level, right? You look at the A1C, you see some of your initial insights, and unfortunately, that's all you have time for. So Yeah, and, and as we all know, you know, mental health issues are a big challenge with diabetes. And I'm curious, in your training, um, both in medical school and also in your fellowship as an endocrinologist, what did they teach you about these things? And, and what, what do you wish that you would have known um, that they didn't teach you? Yeah, unfortunately, not much. <laughs> when it comes to mental health, I mean, I think unfortunately, it is definitely underrecognized and underappreciated in general. And you know, there's definitely there's no doubt in my mind that we should put more focus on it. Um, I think you know, through my experiences, really, I've learned that you know, mental health is just as important as numbers in many ways. It colors the entire you know ex- experience and the, the management, um, you know, skills and and and, and the management uh, overall. So um, I think it's incredibly important to shed light on this and recognize that. Without mental health, you can't really, you know, come to the table and really focus on diabetes management. 
And I know that as you refer me patients, and so you definitely have a different point of view on mental health than a lot of endocrinologists do. And I'm curious, how did that come about? Where did, where did you get this interest and in kind of get a willingness to engage with those types of things and ask those tough questions? Yeah, at first it was rooted in the fact that, you know, I just never felt like I get, you know, peeled away the, all the layers, you know, of the onion, we'll say, you know, because, you know, people, people would be lost to follow-up, for instance, or, you know, they'd come back the next time and so forth. And basically, you know, we, you know, there's obviously they haven't had a chance to really focus on their diabetes. There's something else, obviously, kind of, you know, that's, you know, keeping their attention, you know, fully, you know, they're keeping them distracted, we'll say. And so yeah. I think when we started talking about, it, and this is what this is what's nice about the experience of SETI is that starting out, Amy and I really had a chance to really dive deep into understanding what do we want to build this, how do we want this care model to look like of sorts. And we very early on decided the first visit should be a full hour, for instance. And part of that is we actually incorporated uh, mental health uh, into it as well. You know, be recognizing that we we need to ask this, these questions. One is, you know, people don't necessarily acknowledge it and they're not aware of it. But when you start ask them, asking them, you know, a lot opens up. A lot of people will actually open up. And it's, it's just, it's, if you, don't, if you don't look for it, you're not going to find it, right? And that's the problem, I think. And so that we, we definitely dedicate some time during that first visit to really understand this. Which is a little bit of an unusual approach right now. What's been the reaction of your patients who you've asked those questions to? Yeah, I think it's 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 board. I think that it varies. It runs the spectrum, but some have been very you know very happy to hear that you know this that we care about this and so forth. Others are frankly surprised. They're like, you know, is this really part of diabetes care? And it's you know, especially when you look look around the statistics for for depression, anxiety, and then all these other mental health disorders with diabetes, it's it's you know it's shocking how much little attention we pay to it. And are they surprised in a good way or surprised in a bad way? Generally, generally in a positive way. I haven't had anyone react negatively, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> but they're probably surprised that somebody like you is asking them that question. Absolutely, absolutely. I can, I can definitely say that many have not been asked this question by their providers. And I think it's, 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 a, you know, it's unfortunate that the you know, t- traditional healthcare is just really, we're all cogs in a wheel of sorts, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. What do you think the reason for that is? Is it a matter of time? Is it a matter of... Um, feeling like you're comfortable asking those questions or is there another reason that's involved with not with endocrinologists specifically not asking those questions in clinic? I think it's a combination of things. Definitely time is one factor. I mean, the fact that you have to get through everything and check all these boxes within a, you know, a, you know, like a 20, 30 minutes visit is challenging. There's no doubt about that. On top of that, I do think there's some, some level of uncomfort, you know, the dis- discomfort, I should say, um, mm-hmm. that we're not necessarily well-trained, that we don't necessarily have the resources to offer. So if you mm-hmm. were to unearth these, you know, these, um, these issues and so forth, how do you address them thereafter? I think that's, that's a problem for a lot of people. Because I think in terms of medicine, at least a lot of people that I know, and me personally too, we're, we're very much, you know, identify the problem, find a solution. Right. And mm-hmm. if you don't, if you identify the problem and you don't know what to do with it, what are you going to do? Right. And it becomes a kind of a, an empty, you know, like it's a dead end essentially. And it, it, make, it makes for kind of an awkward conversation thereafter. And I think it's interesting you say that because it's kind of a parallel process uh, for the patient too. You know, patients have these difficult emotions and they don't know what to do with them and they treat them as problems. And if they try to, if they try to treat a difficult emotion as a problem, they're probably going to run up into some, some walls in terms of getting themselves to be, a be- to be better. And exactly. so it's interesting to hear you say that because you have the same experience. And if I ask the question and I don't have a solution, there's no, no prescription that I can write, it becomes a bigger challenge and like you feel helpless. Exactly, exactly. And that, that, that's unfortunate because, I mean, the, the truth is diabetes distress is, is a normal part of this process, right? We, right? we know that. And the problem is if you don't address it, you're never going to really you know, dive deep, dive, and, you know, address the underlying problems overall. And I think that even just asking the question, acknowledging the fact that it's a normal part of the process 
is a huge step forward. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, sometimes when you open up this can of worms, you, you, you we spend like 20 minutes on this, this, this topic itself, yeah. just, just, just to open up that up. Because again, they've never had a chance to talk about this really. Yeah, and, and in doing that, how does that help people with their diabetes management? Like when you ask those questions, maybe I would imagine that sometimes that's more effective than writing them a new prescription for the latest insulin. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the key is really, you know, first understanding that it's a, it is a, you know, an issue that we need to tackle and then trying to set them up with providers such as yourself, for instance, you know, getting them the resources they need and support and otherwise. So in your work at Steady over the past year or so, tell me about the biggest or the most common mental health challenges that you're seeing and that you're unearthing as you're asking these questions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For one, I think I touched on earlier was just awareness and acknowledging that the topic of mental health, a lot of people, their first response is, I've never thought about, it, about that and so forth. And, you know, so and then they'll, they'll tell me that, you know, give me some time. Let me think about that and what that means to me and so forth. So that's one issue. I think it's just, it's not recognized. It's not acknowledged. It's not, we're just avoiding a topic of sorts. Um, the second though is definitely fear of hypoglycemia. I think for, okay. for worse, I think the medical community has really largely focused on getting A1C as low as possible. And, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong, there's no question that A1C below you know, 6.5, 7 is associated with lower risk for complications. But so many with, with type 1 diabetes have this, this idea ingrained in their minds that you know, anything, anything less than that is, is failure. And so you know, I think people cope in different ways. I think some people just seem to accept the lows as necessary in order to achieve mm-hmm. their A1C targets and have lows way more often than they should. And others, unfortunately, have you know one or two, one or two, uh, one or more, I should say, uh, very traumatic experiences around it, and thereafter they never let themselves get anywhere near hyperglycemia. And so there's a lot of kind of maladaptive behaviors that kind of come from that. And if we don't address that concern itself, it actually it's a huge impediment. And I, I see a lot of patients on my practice who have fear of hypoglycemia, and it can be debilitating. You know, people not only keep their blood sugars high, but they also really avoid activities that they want to be doing. They wanted to ride their bike or play basketball, and they just say, I can't do that because I am scared of going low. Exactly. And I'm cur- but I'm curious, those people come to me because they recognize that they have a problem. Sure. When you ask the question about fear of hypoglycemia, do people recognize that it's an issue for them or is it a surprise when they find out, wow, I've been avoiding all these things and keeping my blood sugars high because I'm scared of those? I think, again, it runs the spectrum. I think some people are exactly like that. Um, And then others are just like, you know, I've learned to basically not care about these, that this is just a normal way of of, of doing things. But, you know, like, I think one of it too is like, I think, you know, like a lot of the guidelines, in, in fact, and so forth, are, are starting to pay more attention around hypoglycemia. You know, now, for instance, with the CGM consensus, you know, they're we're trying to aim at less than 4%. We actually think it should be less than 1%, personally. Like, we think that, you know, this is, you know, time spent in low really is risky. It's, you know, it's uncomfortable. It's dangerous and so forth. And we're learning more and more that there may be long-term consequences of that, too. So I think it's, it's key to find a, a, a fine balance between, you know, controlling blood, managing blood sugars, but also not letting this happen too often. So tell me a little bit about what, how you deal with patients who, where you unearth an issue, but they're not at a point where they need to see someone like me, but they're, they're just, they're, 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 they're struggling, but um, they, they may, they're either not open to a referral or they just don't need one. Yeah. What's, what sort of role can you and your team take in helping them to deal with some of the emotional challenges? Yeah, and I think that's one of the unique features of our platform is the fact that we are connected to them, you know, essentially through messaging at all times. So, you know, if they have a question, they have an issue, they can they can raise it there. So, one of it's actually just to say, let's keep this conversation going, you know, like over okay. 
Um, and, and what's nice, I think, is text is a little bit low, little less intrusive, right? So they, they feel a little more comfortable kind of, you know, mention, uh, mentioning things. And the other thing is, too, we, we'll keep it, we'll actually put it in their chart, you know, mention that this is a concern, for instance, and periodically we'll check in with them, you know, how are you feeling, how are you doing and so forth, you know, especially as we're checking in on people of sorts. I think the easiest question is really, you know, how are you doing, really? And, and you know, mm-hmm. if that's, you know, if it's top of mind for them that, you know, that we're, we're keeping an eye on their mental health, too, sometimes they open up from there. Yeah, so just kind of letting them know that you care. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I would imagine building the relationship with them on a regular Absolutely. basis is helpful. Exactly. We're, we're, we're really keen on making sure that they understand that we're here to be their partners in health. We're not here to, you know, you know, wag our finger at them and scold them or otherwise we're mm-hmm. here to, I really stress to our members that, you know, steady is a no judgment zone. We're not asking for excuses. We're not asking for explanations. We're just help, help you here to help you get through things essentially. Yeah. So, if somebody comes to you and they, they recognize that they have a mental health challenge related to type one diabetes, what is the best way for them to get the help they need from you? How, what, can you give people some advice about how to ask their healthcare providers for help in addressing some of these mental health challenges? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, for the first and foremost thing here is that honesty is always the best policy. I think if you're, you're open and honest about things and so forth, and to mention this to your providers and so forth, I think m- many would listen. And I think the fact that you know, knowing that this is you know, really top of mind of sorts and, and is, is critical, it's a, it's a roadblock, obviously, to, to a lot of your other diabetes care. I think just devoting the time there is actually very, very important. Because I think, you know, traditionally we're always thought, of, you know, like when you go to a visit, we almost feel like as providers, I, I think a lot of times we feel like we have to prescribe new medication. We have to adjust your, 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 your carb ratios, et cetera. But the truth is um, this is just as important, right? Like, I mean, a lot of times, you know, it's not, not specifically about one carb ratio, one basal rate or otherwise. It's about how you view this disease. The, mind, the mind-body connection here is just so critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I think keeping the lines of communication open is critical. And, and I think, if anything, too, it's, it's knowing that anything we talk about, really, it's a negotiation. It's up for discussion, too, right? So it's okay. kind of like, we're not, we're not trying to force this on you. We, we can certainly try to explain why our reasoning behind things. But I think you really need to also be, you know, be, be willing to have that conversation, too, and be honest about your own feelings and your own concerns. Yeah. And how can... Uh, patients, and then also the community at large of people with type 1 diabetes, best support you and healthcare providers in better understanding the challenges that we face um, living with diabetes. Absolutely. absolutely. As, I, as I mentioned before, I, I think most medical professionals just don't get much training in this. So I think the yeah. first thing is actually educating us and raising awareness, actually. You know, let us know that this is an issue, that this is, you know, something that, you know, interferes with your, your life and otherwise. And I think, you know, and the, the other thing I actually would, would recommend, in fact, is just go out there and try and use these resources, you know, let and give us the feedback, under, help us understand that, you know, working with a therapist, for instance, is incredibly valuable to you. Working with a mental health specialist and so forth is really, really, really important. Um, you know, because if we don't hear that, we're, we're again, we're going to be stuck in the, the, you know, the focus of, you know, your medication, your insulin, your, your exercise more, eat healthier and so forth. But really, the mental health here is, is the main issue. What's the best piece of advice you would give one of your patients with type 1 diabetes about how to be mentally healthy with diabetes and to not let the psychosocial challenges um, get in their way? 
Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's it's key to really accept that there's no such thing as perfection in this in this disease. Really, um, I think we all do their, do our best, and you just really need to truly really accept that you know one high blood sugar, for instance, will not leave an indelible mark on your health for, thereafter. Right? Um, you know, tomorrow's a new day. It's a chance to really start starting new, and you know the, the numbers essentially kind of reset of sorts. Right? So you, <laughs> it truly is you know, a, a fresh start in that sense. So I think you know. I think there's a good way to think of it is just, you know, the zoom out perspective, right? You know, if you look back on this and see it, you know, the concerns I have right now, am I really going to think about this, you know, months later, you know, years later and so forth. If not, then, then maybe, maybe it's not worth, you know, spending too much time on them. Yeah. I remember, I love that piece of advice. And I remember when I was diagnosed with diabetes 21 years ago, I was in college and I was so worried about actually getting, I, I knew I was very sick. And I was worried about going to the doctor because I was scared they were going to tell me that I couldn't do things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was planning on going to France for the summer, two weeks after my diagnosis. And I was terrified that that was going to be put off. Mm-hmm. And for better or for worse, I actually went to France. My doctor told me, of course you can go. Great. And I think that for me, that was one of the best things that could have happened to me because it really empowered me to show me that diabetes was not going to get in my way. Absolutely. And that, and I think that like that your message there that yes, the, the, the smaller conveniences are there and they're real, but they don't have to get in your way, both in your mind or in your behavior exactly. is, super, is really important. I mean, there's no doubt it's part of your life, right? But that's yeah. it should not be your life and so forth. And so you, you should, you should feel the, the you, sh- you should live the life to the fullest and, and manage the diabetes and on, on the side essentially. So, yeah. Yeah. How can we find other doctors like you? <laughs> how, how, how can we, you know, I, I mean, I think that's a question people have is, you know, whether people don't have access to study because they're not, they're not in a place where it's available or for whatever reason, but people are looking for endocrinologists who get it. And I think that, you know, when we find them, like we want to, we want to let the world know that you guys exist. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I don't think I'm unique in that sense. I think there's a lot of providers that you know go into medicine with this mentality that we want to help people, honestly. And so I think you know, yeah. somewhere along the lines, the truth is, I think that the realities of medicine, you know, with all the bureaucracy, all the you know the paperwork, the billing, and all that stuff, we lose sight of that sometimes. But at the end of the day, I think many of us join this profession because we care. And so, yeah. and sometimes it's just tapping into that, and you know, and, and you know, having the time to do that, and, and otherwise connecting with people really, I think, is really key. Um, in terms of getting people to, you know, finding providers like myself and so forth, I think it's really just, you know, see, see who else is out there kind of, you know, espousing these sort of ideas, you know, having this, you know, these open conversations. I think you're going to, in many cases, find, you know, you know a gem, in, 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 you know, all over, essentially. So. Well, I hope so. And we're really glad that we have you, Calvin, because I think you're a, you're, you're a light here. And, you know, just even willing to talk about these issues and really engage with their patients about them is a huge a huge advantage and a huge um, plus on your side. Yeah, honestly, I wish a lot of my colleagues had the luxury that I have, which is to say that, you know, I think the care model that we build just really lets me focus on things that I think are important, really. And I, mm-hmm. think, and I think a lot of practitioners would practice the same way if they had the opportunity. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate your time. It was great talking to you. Absolutely. My pleasure. It was so refreshing to talk to a doctor like Calvin, and I always love talking to healthcare providers who get the multiple challenges of living with diabetes. They get that it's not only about managing blood sugars, but it's about dealing with the real challenges of managing the the emotional challenges that come along with diabetes. As a healthcare provider, our goal should be to figure out how to give people the tools and the information and the treatment 
that's going to help them to best manage their diabetes. And sometimes that is education, and sometimes that is a medication, and sometimes that's just asking the right questions and really listening to what is going on for the person and what is getting in the way of them managing their diabetes well. And as Calvin talked about, oftentimes those things are psychological. There are big barriers that are keeping people from managing diabetes in the way that they really want to be. And having doctors who are open to that and willing to engage in those conversations is so awesome to hear. I think so often we put healthcare providers, especially doctors, on this pedestal. And we think of them as being the boss. They say, this is what you do, and you go off and do it. And then if you come back and you didn't do it, you feel like you're being graded. You feel like you've done something wrong. They're the authority figure and you're just the minion and you don't really get any say in how your care is delivered or what you have to do or what you can do to make your situation better. They give you the direction and you go and follow it. But that approach really doesn't work very well for diabetes. As I've said so many times before, managing diabetes is not a matter of just checking the boxes. It's just not that simple. And having physicians who really get that and really understand the nuances and, the com- and how complicated it can be to manage diabetes and to integrate it into your life effectively is really critical. A lot of doctors ask me, you know, how can I be more supportive of my patients and how can I work to address some of the mental health issues that they have? And the answer that I always give is something that Calvin hit on in our conversation. It's that diabetes care and treatment needs to be collaborative. And when it's collaborative, it's really hard not to address the mental health aspects of diabetes because you're asking questions. You're trying to understand what the patient's experience is like. And you recognize as a physician that the patient with diabetes, the person with diabetes, is really the one in charge of managing their diabetes. They're the ones who are doing it on a daily basis. And so their treatment and their experience has to be something that works for them. In doing that, we have to look at what are the things getting in the way, what's overwhelming, what is causing anxiety, and really asking questions and digging into that gives the doctor the opportunity to understand the patient better. But without asking the questions, you have no way of knowing. A lot of healthcare providers think about integrating the mental health aspects of diabetes into diabetes care as being a really complicated process. But Calvin and his team are a great example about how it doesn't have to be. Just being open to asking the questions and taking collaborative approach to really understand where the person with diabetes is coming from and being open to having those conversations with your patients is the biggest part of addressing mental health issues. And when a healthcare provider is willing to have those conversations and ask those questions and open the door to you sharing what is challenging for you so they can better understand your experience, that in and of itself is the first step to addressing the mental health challenges of diabetes. Making the person with diabetes feel heard, making them feel like their concern matters and that their doctor really cares about what their experience is so they can work in collaboration with the person with diabetes to help them deal with and overcome any of the barriers that they may be experiencing and make sure their life with diabetes is as healthy both mentally and physically as possible. Calvin realizes, and I hope that we can help other healthcare providers to realize, that you just can't treat type 1 diabetes without focusing, at least to some degree, on the mental health aspects of diabetes. 
And when we do try to treat type 1 diabetes without that focus or without that understanding, we're doing people with diabetes a really great disservice. And I think that a lot of people walk away from the doctor's appointments feeling like they are not getting what they need because oftentimes these things are not even addressed or asked about. But to be fair to doctors and to Calvin's point, I don't think we can completely blame our healthcare providers for not asking these questions because I think that there are a lot of barriers to them even being able to focus on these things. Uh, First is just the system that they're working within. You know, Calvin's in a unique position working in Steady Health where he has the flexibility to be able to spend time with patients and asking them questions and really digging into some of these issues. When you have 12 minutes with a patient and you have to review CGM data, review pump data, change basal rates, write prescriptions, there's just not time to ask questions and to dig into the mental health challenges the person may be experiencing. Also, sometimes doctors may not even know how to ask the questions. You know, it's not part of their training. They're trained to be physicians and trained to treat the medical aspects of things. And when the psychological aspects come into play, they may not feel like they're prepared or comfortable in asking those questions. And not that that's an excuse, but I think that it's an important thing to recognize that people are good at what they're good at, and they oftentimes don't like to get out of their comfort zone. And doctors are the same way. And so feeling like they're not prepared and they don't have the training that they need to address these issues is an important factor. Also, they may be worried that if they do ask the questions and they get an answer that needs additional help or needs additional services, that they don't, won't have the resources to be able to provide to their patient in order to help them. So they think it may be easier not to ask the question because if they find the answer to the question, that they have to do something with it. And they don't know, they don't have the resources, the time, uh, the referrals to be able to offer their patient to be able to help them really address the challenges that they're having. But as we've said so many times before in this episode, diabetes management is a collaborative effort. And so as a person with diabetes, we need to be able to seek out and ask for the help that we need, especially when it's not necessarily being offered to us by our doctor for it. Doctors don't have magical powers and they're not mind readers. And so in our collaborative relationship with our doctors, it's important that we let them know what's going on and what's really challenging for us right now, especially when there are mental health issues and our doctors aren't asking us about them without prompting. Letting them know that you want them to ask you the questions and that for you that's an important part of your care gives them the message that it's okay and that that is something that that should be integrated into your diabetes care. Also, it helps to educate doctors about, you know, what are the challenges that people with diabetes experience. If they don't hear about them, they may not know about them and they may not think that they're important. But the more they hear, the more willing they are to get training and to learn about them and learn how they can effectively help their patients deal with those challenges. But of course, there's going to be some doctors who are unable or unwilling to give you what you need. And so if that's the case, I would really encourage you to find a doctor who can provide you the support that you need. Oftentimes I get asked, what characteristics should I look for in a doctor who gets it? I I have a couple answers to that question. The first is someone with a willingness to dive in and ask questions. And that's something that you have to experience. You have to go to the doc, go to a doctor and, and find out whether or not that's something that they, they integrate as part of their care. Also, a willingness to check in with you, like Havlin was talking about, just a willingness to remember what, what was going on for you and see how you're doing, whether that's at your next appointment or whether that's via text or email between appointments. 
that communication shows collaboration. Also, a willingness to have the conversations, especially when there's no easy fix. You know, we as humans really want to be able to fix things. We want to be able to do something, prescribe a medication, and make the problem go away. And as we know, with mental health issues and diabetes, it's not quite that simple. But the willingness to be able to engage in those conversations, even when there's no easy fix, is a sign that the doctor gets it and a sign that the doctor can have a collaborative relationship with you. Also, I love what Calvin said about everything with diabetes care being up for negotiation. Certainly, the doctors have perspective and they want to be able to do what's best for you and your health. But they also have to recognize that it has to be a negotiation about what you're able and willing to do given your mental health state. And then finally, a doctor who recognizes that with diabetes management, there's no such thing as perfection. Because diabetes care needs to be collaborative, we need to be able to work together with our doctors to figure out what's going well, what can be improved without judgment. Diabetes management's hard and it's not always predictable and we have to be able to give ourselves some slack and not go into a doctor word that we're gonna be shamed or blamed or scolded for not having perfect blood sugars. So finding a diabetes care team that gets that and is willing to work with you to figure out how do you get the best blood sugars that you can, but without any kind of judgment or blame. And let's not forget that in this collaborative model of diabetes care, that the person with diabetes also has a role to play in their relationship with our doctor. And I thought that Calvin gave some great tips about how to do that. The first is just being honest, to be honest about how you're feeling, about what your experience is, and also be honest about what you need from your physician and from your healthcare team. The second is to be willing to educate your healthcare team about your experience. They may not know what it's like to be scared of lows or to be burnt out, and to be able to educate them on not only what that feels like, but also what you do to help yourself, what's helpful for you. Also giving them information about therapists that you may have seen or other resources that you've used, which gives them resources that they can then use for other people with diabetes and you can pay it forward in helping other people to have a better experience with their physician and their healthcare team. And then of course, giving them feedback, giving them feedback about what you need and how they can do better to work with you and then hopefully with other people with diabetes to really be able to address some of these big concerns, which then of course will help you to manage your diabetes better. I think we have to remember that it's easy to vilify our healthcare teams and doctors because they, they, they don't get diabetes sometimes or they don't care. And that's just not the case. I, I want to I wanna emphasize that, that, you know, this isn't about vilifying them. This is about educating folks. And everyone's goal is to help you to have the best health possible, uh, both physical and mental. And if we can see how those things work together and work with our healthcare team to see how your mental health with diabetes really has a big impact on your physical health with diabetes and your blood sugar management, then we have all won because then we can address the issues that really matter for you and they can, you know, so that you can be as healthy as possible, both mentally and physically. I always love hearing from my listeners and I would love to hear about your experience in working with doctors and your healthcare team on the mental health issues of diabetes. What has your healthcare team done that's been most helpful for you? And what challenges have you had? To get in touch, go to my website, thediabetespsychologist.com, 
or send me an email to mark at thediabetespsychologist.com. That does it for today's episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. If you like what you heard, I would really appreciate it if you would post a review on iTunes. And be sure to tune in next time for another episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast.